The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. This year we're focusing on the theme, the wonderful theme of God's kingdom. And so for the whole year we're going to be teasing that out. What does it mean to be his citizens? And so we're in a king, uh, series entitled, here it is, Be Different, Make a Difference, where we're reflecting on being God's kingdom citizens. And so two weeks ago, when Hill kicked off the series, we looked at being God's ambassadors, that is, being his representatives in the world, uh, broadly speaking, being his witnesses. And then last week, what do we look at? We looked at being his, yeah, that's right, his sheep, blah, blah, yeah, his sheep, Reflecting, hopefully, the characteristic of kindness because our good shepherd is also a kind shepherd. And so we're to be kind and hopefully, through our kindness, have gospel conversations with people. And so that's where I want to pick up. I want to pick up the whole theme on the note of gospel conversations this morning. And so we're going to be thinking about being witnesses. And so that's the word on the screen, witnesses, in particular, being verbal witnesses, that is, communicating the gospel, having potentially gospel conversations with our friends and co-workers and neighbors. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, please go ahead, grab those and turn to Luke 24. This is where we're going to sit this morning, Luke 24. If you don't have a Bible, the references will be on the screen. Also, if you're on a journey kind of discovering or looking at Christianity, exploring Christianity, and you don't own a Bible, we've got some gift Bibles to give away. Make sure you grab one of these on your way to church this morning. That's our gift to you. Now, before we actually come to the passage, Luke 24, I want to do something interesting, a bit more interactive with you, okay? A bit of participation. So grab your phone. I mean, I'm encouraging you, inviting you to grab your phone if you haven't already got it out. No checking Instagram or Facebook, okay, that's the condition. Grab your phone. There's going to be a website on the screen. They're going to flash it up now, I think. Here it is. We're going to do basically a survey, all right? Two questions on the theme of evangelism or witnessing. So all you need to do, jump on. I'll give you a moment to do that. Jump on. Where's the, go back to the, where it has the prompts. Keep, I'll just give you a moment longer. All right, there you go. So grab your phone. Jump on the website, then punch in the code. And there are two questions about evangelism here this morning. I think this is going to be interesting. Well, two sets of questions. This is the first set, and we're going to do the next set later on in this message. So here's the first question. I'm convinced that sharing the good news of Jesus is the most important gift I can give to another. Now, before you answer... Be honest, okay? Where you're currently at, not where you'd like to be, all right? And also, this is completely anonymous. Your face is not going to appear on the screen, all right? Just, it's good news. Also, this is a secure website. You're not going to be hacked. So, let's have a look. See what happens here. This is going to be interesting. Excellent. Who's, who's still trying to find the website? <laughs> I'll work this thing. Phones up if you've answered the question. Done it? Okay, great. Second question. Here we go. So that's, that's encouraging. We strongly agree. Most of us, we've got some agree, some somewhat. Here's the second question. I'm confident in sharing the good news of Jesus with people in my spheres of influence. I'm confident. So I believe this is the greatest gift I can give. A lot of us strongly agree with that. But you're confident. You're confident in giving this gift, the gospel, to someone else. 
How are we going? Somewhat, kind of thought that might be the case, somewhat, kind of, uh, kind of sit on the fence, yeah, maybe. Excellent, interesting. Well, that's good. That's good because really this message is to help us move from somewhat to maybe agree. And wherever you find yourself kind of strongly disagree, I guess this message is to move you along in the right direction where we, are, we strongly agree that we're all confident. Actually, we not only agree that we're confident, we actually become confident in witnessing and sharing the gospel with others. And so let's come to the passage now. Luke chapter 24. Here's the context. Jesus has appeared to the two guys on the road to Emmaus, and they're amazed, and they go back to the apostles in verse 33, and some of the other leaders or Christians there, we read this, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, and then we jump down to verse 36. While they were still talking about this, like Jesus' appearance, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, and then Jesus tells them about the gospel, basically. He says, I'm the fulfillment, everything in the Old Testament was looking forward to me, and salvation finds fulfillment in me. And some of them were freaking out, so he has to eat fish in their presence and show them his hands, his feet. This really is me. And then we join the narrative here in verse 45. So it's going to be on your screen. This is what Luke narrates for us. He says this. Then he, namely Jesus, opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. On the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48. Here's the key word, the word we're going to reflect on today. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. How about I pray? Father, this is the greatest moment in the week where we come together, Lord, as your people. We get to enjoy your presence, be changed by you, Lord, as we come to sit under your Lordship and your goodness as we come to sit right now under your word. And I pray, Lord, as we sit under your word, we would be changed. We'd be changed. Lord, just as you open the minds of these apostles and disciples to comprehend the scriptures, would you do that, Lord, right now as we think about this topic, this subject that is so dear to your heart, namely witnessing. Lord, would you open our minds and hearts to receive and be changed so that we would be more confident witnesses for Christ. And everyone said, amen. And so really that's the agenda of this message, to help us be more intentional and confident witnesses of Christ who potentially make a kingdom impact, make a kingdom difference in the lives of those we're reaching out to. And so as we think about this important theme of verbal witnesses, evangelism, here are my three key words that we're going to unpack together each in turn. So my three words are these. Identity, activity, and quality. Quality, activity, identity. So, so first up, obviously, identity. You know, I find... 
it really encouraging, somewhat challenging as well, but really insightful that Jesus here in our text, Luke 24, verse 48, calls us, each of us, witnesses. He says, you are witnesses of these things. This is identity language. You are, he says, witnesses. It's very similar to what we found two weeks ago when we kicked off this series, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. The Apostle Paul tells us there, we are Christ's ambassadors. Like, we are. We are his ambassadors. You are. We are his witnesses. Again, this is identity language. It's not, okay, you'll only be my witness if you do witnessing, that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is, hey, I have made you, I've ordained for you to be a witness, and so live that out. Live out your identity. Be a witness, in other words, which, which is remarkable. And this is something that we really need to grasp as Christians, because could it be that one of the reasons why we fail to witness at times is because we have a, James, uh, 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 a born moment, a Jason born moment where we actually forget who we are. We have identity amnesia and we actually forget, hold on, I am a witness. And if we forget that, well, then maybe we won't actually be who we are. We won't witness for Jesus Christ. In fact, one writer, he wrote an article some time ago, uh, Trevon Wax, in his article entitled, Jesus Gives Us an Identity, Not Just a Task. He writes this, the activity of witnessing is birthed from our identity as witnesses. I'll let that sit because it's really important. I'll say it again. He says, the activity of witnessing, now we're going to be thinking a lot about activity, activity, activity in this message, how to have a gospel conversation. I think it's going to be helpful. We're going to explore a lot of practical little tips here. But the activity of witnessing is birthed from our identity as witnesses, which, which, which means the implication is to the degree we actually see ourselves as witnesses will be the degree of faithful, even fruitful witnessing. But if we have a Jason Bourne moment, we actually forget our identity, then clearly our witnessing will be negatively affected. And so it's really important that we grasp who we are as Christians. Christ calls all of us to be witnesses. Why? Because he has made us that way. We are to be who we are, in other words. We are witnesses, every single one of us. And so that's the first thing, identity. Second, activity. Of course, it follows, or ought to follow, that being witnesses of Jesus means that the practice or the activity of witnessing should characterize our individual lives as Christians, right? Just like a king. If you imagine a king, he says to his son, okay, son, one day you will be king. Now, what does the king mean when he says that to his son? Of course, he means that his son one day will have a kingly identity, but that's not what really he means. He means that one day, son, you're going to have to act like, live like a king. You're going to be kingly. You've got to act like, behave like a king because that's who you're going to be one day. And in a similar way, Jesus says, okay, yes, we are witnesses, but what is he expecting? He's expecting us to do witnessing. And we know that from the context because he tells them the gospel in summary form. And he says, look, guys, this message must be preached to all the nations, including Australia, starting in Jerusalem, he says, and you shall be witnesses of these things. And so we need to declare, we need to announce, we need to seek to have gospel conversations with those we're reaching out to. Yeah? 
one of the reasons, in fact, the main reason why we bring this up every second time we gather in our connect groups, this whole witnessing thing is because to be a disciple is to be a witness. To be a follower of Christ is to be a witness. And to, wit- to be a witness means we ought to do witnessing. And so this is why, you know, in our connect groups, when we gather, we talk about it, we pray about our friends that we're seeking to reach, we talk about how we can do that better. And this is why, because to be a disciple is to be a witness. To be a witness is to actually do this thing called witnessing. And so the question I want us to explore here, and I think this is going to be really, really helpful, is okay, it's the how question. How can we make more of a kingdom impact in our verbal witness? You know, we've entitled the series, Be Different, Make a Difference. Well, we've discovered we are different. Christ has made us his witnesses. But how can we actually make more of a kingdom impact, more of a kingdom difference in our verbal witness? Well, two main ways. Number one, overcoming certain obstacles that kind of get in the way of our witnessing. And secondly, employing winsome questions. Now, we're only going to explore one of these, the second one, because I did a two-part series, if you remember, earlier in the year called Intentional Witness. And we looked at overcoming these things that trip up or get in the way, hinder our witness, fear, unbelief, arrogance. And so if you weren't around then, I refer you to the podcast. I think you'll find it helpful. And so we're going to explore here the second one, employing winsome questions. You know, some time ago, there was a book written called Questioning Evangelism by a guy called Randy Newman. And the title is provocative. It doesn't mean that we need to call into question the practice of evangelism. But he means that in our post-Christian age, our secular age, one of the most effective ways to actually have a gospel conversation with others is to ask really good questions. And so what I've done, I've kind of gleaned various questions. I've pulled five questions together. Some of these are from the Gideons, the good old Gideons who put their Bibles in hospitals and hotels. Some of these are their questions. And also... Some of these questions are my own that I use myself in witnessing opportunities, actually when I'm on the streets in Parramatta with the the team and some of these questions that I ask people here. So five questions, and I trust these will be really, really practical, really, really helpful. Now, two things we've got to remember before we jump into these questions. Two things. The first is we need to remember that as we take our friends, co-workers through these questions, we need to first listen. This is the most important thing. It really, really is. We've got to be good listeners. We've got to listen, 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 which is quite ironic, really, isn't it? Because to be an evangelist or to verbally communicate the gospel, you've got to do just that, right? You've got to speak. People have got to actually hear the gospel. We're told in Romans 10, if they don't hear or they don't believe, then, of course, they're never going to be saved. Someone needs to actually preach to them. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, but it means the gospel proclaimed. And so, yes, we need to talk. We need to have these gospel conversations, but listen to me, this is so, so important. It's likely or more likely that your friends will listen to you as you listen to them first. You've got to listen to them first. When you take them through these questions, you've got to listen, 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 listen. It's critical. You know, I was fumbling through one of my books earlier in the week. It was a John Maxwell book on leadership, and in it, he has various qualities of a leader and things that leaders need to implement. And one of them is to be a good listener. And so he has this amazing quote where he encourages leaders to listen. And he says, the way to people's hearts is through your ears. The way to their hearts 
is through your ears. And I thought, wow, if this is true of leading people, then it's doubly true of witnessing to people. The way to people's hearts, your friends' hearts, is by your ears, through your ears, listening, listening, listening. So it's the first thing you've got to listen. And by the way, if you're not a good listener, and some of your, your wives are like, your husband's like, uh, you're listening to the preacher? Like, yeah, you've got to listen. Pray, pray to the great listener, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a better listener. Because look, he listens to us. And some of our prayers are a bit, you know, interesting. And so, but he listens, he listens to us. So we need to, Lord, help me be a better listener. Because this is critical when doing witnessing and evangelism. Second thing, discern. Discern. So we need to listen. Listen. Also, we need to discern. And this really is emphasizing the need to be spirit dependent as we go through these questions. We need to silently, as people are responding to these questions, pray in our minds, Lord, help me discern where they're at. Like, really, help me understand what's behind this response or what's behind their question. Help me discern what I need to do next. Maybe you want me to bypass the next question and go to the third question. Maybe you want me to give them an article to read or send them a link to a message. Or, Lord, help me discern where this person is at before you. This is critically important again because don't we? We want our witnessing to be spirit-led, spirit-led. And so as we're going to see at the end of this sermon, he's the ultimate witness, and so we need to lean on him. All right, so listen and discern. Helpful? Okay, it's going to get even more practical. So here we go. Here's the five questions. So I'm assuming that you've already built relationships with non-Christians, that you are influencing some people, neighbor, co-worker, friend. You've been living out what we've been looking at for the past two weeks, being ambassadors, being kind. And so the moment of truth comes for you to hopefully have a gospel conversation with them. So what do you do? Well, you employ these winsome, sensitive questions. Here's the first question. You ready? Do you have any spiritual beliefs? That's it. You may start the conversation by saying something like this. Oh, you know, you know I'm a Christian. I've mentioned that before. Just, just, just curious, just wondering, do you yourself have any spiritual beliefs? That's it. And why is this a good question? Because it's, it's not threatening. It's not like, hey, I'm a churchy, you're a churchy, you know. I'm a Christian, you're... It's just, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And 50%, according to Alpha Australia, of Australians will be happy to answer that question. 50%. In fact, Alpha found out that 49% of Australians are happy to have a spiritual conversation, talk about spiritual matters, but they haven't found a safe place to do so. Well, guess who's going to be that safe place? You. You're going to be that safe place because you've built rapport with them. You've built a relationship. You've been kind to them. You've been blessing them. You've been loving on them. You've been praying for them. And so when you ask the question, well, trust they're going to be open to respond. And what are you going to do when you ask the question? You're going to what? Listen. Listen. You're not going to butt in and say, what do you believe? (laughs) What? You're not going to do that. You just do that inside your head, all right? <laughs> but you just listen. And listen, you've got to show interest as well in them. Why? Because they are interesting. Because they're made in the image of God. And every single person made in the image of God is interesting. Because God is interesting. And so listen, show interest, and just discern, Lord God, where are they coming from here? And you may just ask a clarifying question. Maybe you need to, you know, depending on what they say. It's like, just... Can you help me understand that a bit better? That's it. That's it. Can you do that? Yeah, you can do that. Of 
course we can do that. Second question. To you, now, don't you love that postmodern beginning? To you, who is Jesus? That's it. You bring a Jesus. To have a gospel conversation, you've got to bring Jesus in somewhere. So do it here. To you, who is Jesus? Now, again, you're going to be tempted to button because some of the responses would be really interesting. I mean, I use this question on the streets, and I get some interesting responses. Like, oh, geez, yeah, he was one of the Beatles, right? Uh, Jesus, <laughs> didn't the, the church make him up? You know, he's a fictitious character the church made up just to control the masses. Or, oh, yeah, Jesus, he's just a prophet. Oh, he's, a, he's a moral teacher. Or some will say, you know, he's the son of God, but obviously they're not following him. So you're going to get a whole array of responses, and what are you going to do? Listen. You're going to listen, listen, look. You're going to be tempted. If they say something offensive, you know, when you're a kid, remember when you were a kid and someone said something about your mum? You're, well, you're going to feel like that. And I'm going to say something about Jesus, Savior. <laughs> Hold on a minute. No, no, no. You just <laughs> smile, listen, discern, discern, because they may say something. They will likely say something that you can actually build on at a later stage. All right? So, to you, who is Jesus? Third question. What do you think happens after death? And you may clarify by saying, you know, the whole heaven and hell thing. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, what do you think happens after death? Now, the reason why this is a good question is because the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the heart of each human being, which means ultimately that they can't erase this eternal compass from their hearts. And so you just raising the question, you probably won't say anything else, just raise the question and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Because he's the one who brings conversion. He's the one who brings conviction. So just raise the question. And again, what are you going to do? You are going to listen. And you're going to pray, Lord, help me discern where they're at. All good? Helpful? Who can do this? That's not encouraging. It's not encouraging. Let me just pray now. Lord, thank you for our time together. Go through the motion. Amen. Let's have morning tea. No, no. Fourth question. Now, I love this question. I use this question all the time when I head out to the streets. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? That's a good question. It's a good, you know, I have funny, over the breakfast yesterday morning, I asked my three daughters, my three girls this question. Hey, girls, you know, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And Kaylee, she said, uh, what is heaven going to be like? I said, like, yes, you've been listening to daddy. Yeah, that's a good, good question. Annabelle, she's six. She's my little budding theologian. She said, um, I'd ask him, how did he keep the world going when he was born in a manger? I'm like, what books have you been stealing from daddy's shelf? Like, seriously. Maddie, she said, I'd ask him, when is it going to snow in Sydney? <laughs> Cute, good question. This is a really good question. You know why? Because if someone has a problem with God, it will, it will surface, this question. You know, I take this question to the streets, and I, two months ago, I asked sister, two sisters, I asked them, I said, you know, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And one of the sisters interrupted and said, I would ask him this, why did you take my dad away? Why did you take my dad away? And you see, we've got to discern what's actually behind that question. You know what's behind that question? It's this, why would I trust in a God who would do such a thing? That's the question. 
And you see, I could empathize with her, and I did. I tried to, because that was the same question I had growing up. Because when I was a three-year-old, my five-year-old brother, he died from meningitis. And I remember growing up kind of shaking my fist at God, saying, if you're such a good God, why did you allow this to happen? You brought so much pain in my family. So I had that question growing up, and so I could empathize with this girl. And I was able to minister to her. And you know how the conversation ended? Just before she jumped on the bus, that's where we go, by the way. We go to the bus depot. It's great. Because they turn up, they're waiting for their bus. They've got five minutes. <laughs> Sidle up. Hey, my name's Lewis. Just doing the survey thing. Go through the questions. And then they jump on their bus, and then it's like a conveyor belt of people. It's, just, it's fantastic. And so just before she jumped on the bus, do you know what she asked me? She said, can you help me understand why Jesus died for us? I said, yeah, I can. And so in summary, like she was walking to the bus. I was like, this is what Jesus did. And I gave her a copy of Mark's gospel. and said, this is a really, really important question. The kind of answers you'll receive, well, suffering, the suffering issue will be number one. They just will. Like, why does a good God, if he does exist, why would he allow bad things to happen in his world? The second, close second, is the whole meaning, purpose. Like, what does my future hold? These type of questions. And of course, what are you going to be doing? Listening. The way their hearts are through your ears. You're going to be listening, listening, and you're going to be discerning. Because when they bring up the suffering thing, you go, okay, maybe I should give them an article on the subject. This is a colleague, right? This is someone you build a relationship with. This is a neighbor. Yeah? So it's a really good question. Now, here's the key. Here's the the gospel question, question five. If you sense the atmosphere is favorable, you know, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, go into the townships, go into the villages, and if you are received, if you experience peace, in other words, a peaceful atmosphere, then stay there and preach the gospel. Well, in a similar fashion, you've gone through the questions, and it's a favorable condition. You just think, yeah, actually, there's a peaceful environment. They're open. I think I can go to question five, and here it is. Would you mind, so that's a great way to start a question, would you mind if I explain what I believe as a follower of Jesus? Would you mind? Like, you know, I'm a Christian. Do, do you mind if I just briefly tell you why I'm a Christian? What I, what I kind of believe as a Christian? And if they say yes, fireworks in your head. Like, yes! Woo! And then you can share the gospel with them. A good gospel presentation, real quick summary God saves sinners. And we find it in our text. Just go back to our text here. God saves sinners. Jesus says this, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer, obviously the Son of God. He was sent to what? To die for sinners in order to save them. He says, verse 47, repentance for forgiveness of sin, salvation. But what do the sinners need to do? Well, they need to acknowledge that they are. They need to do what Jesus says here, repent. If they do, if they turn away from their autonomy, their unbelief, their rebellion, the promises, forgiveness, wholeness, salvation, you come into the kingdom of God. So God saves sins, a little summary of the gospel that you can use if your friends say, yeah, okay, you can explain to me what you believe as a Christian. If you sense it's not that favorable and you've just, word of caution here, parenthesis, you've got to know your own heart here at this stage, all right? Because I think for a lot of us, we'll just be on the negative side. You know, some of you are just half uh, glass, half empty types, and so even though it might be favorable, we're like, nah, 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 I'm not going to go to that question. You've got to be aware of that. 
But if, if truly you sense, mm, conversation hasn't been all that good, that's okay. It's okay not to have a gospel conversation first time around. Just take that monkey off your back, all right? It's okay. But you may say something like this as you leave that opportunity, that moment. You may say, or you may ask this, would you be open to read something on dot, dot, dot? Would you be okay if I sent you an article, sent you a link, spoke to you further, talked to you further about this subject? Yeah? Helpful? Awesome. Some concluding remarks here as we conclude these questions. Think about these questions here. Four S words. I'm going to fly through these. The first is this, sow, S-O-W, sow. That is, we are to sow seeds of the gospel. We cannot produce the fruits of the gospel. We're to be about conversation. We can't bring about conversion. That's God's work. And if you really believe that, because it's true, that should make you more relaxed. It's not your role. It's not my role. It's not our role to headlock people into the kingdom, coerce people, manipulate people. We just go through these questions, hopefully have a gospel conversation. Just leave it. Leave it. And secondly, it should make us prayerful. We should pray for them because the harvest is the Lord's. He's the one who saves. He's the one who causes people to be born again. So we say, Lord, I've just had this wonderful conversation with someone. Or I've just, had, I've just gone through these questions. Lord, would you work in their heart? Would you draw them to yourself? Lord, this article I'm about to give them, this book I'm about to share with them, please use it, Lord God, to help them understand your ways better, etc., 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 etc. Good? So, so, the second word, I need to explain this one, stone. Don't kill your friends. not what I mean here. You know, when you've got a stone or a pebble in your shoe, it's hard to think of something else. You know, as witnesses, we are to sow seeds, but we're also to sow stones. What do I mean? We're to help or cause our friends, co-workers, etc., to have questions in their mind or some thought in their mind that functions like a stone in their shoe they just can't get out of their mind. You know, that's, again, as I mentioned, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Just to bring that conviction and not allow them to pass that thought over or get rid of that thought until they actually do something about it just like a stone in your shoe. So yes, we sow seeds of the gospel, but also let's attempt to st- sow stones. You've never heard that before, have you? It's good. Sow a stone in Jesus' name. Third S, secure. Secure, what do I mean here? Well, much like a date night, with your spouse or lunch catch up with your friend, you've got to put it in the diary. And I know this sounds for some a bit clinical and you know, a bit too orderly and a bit too deliberate. But you know, for a lot of us, I think we can't be organic. You know, some of us we can just do that in conversation, just weave in the gospel, ask a question here and there. But I think for the most part, a lot of us struggle with doing that. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why we back out of witnessing opportunities. And so I think one of the things we need to do is actually secure a time or a date, which will look like just lunchtime catch up with your colleague. Or or having your neighbor over for coffee. You just put it in the diary, literally. Grab your diary and say, Okay, I'm gonna invite my friend over on this day. It sounds really Deliberate. Well, it is, because we need to. We need to be deliberate, because I think I've found if you don't do this, it will likely never happen. Who's with me? Who knows that's true? You've had friends. You've been trying to reach. You've been witnessing in a broad sense to your friends by being kindness, but still, 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 you haven't had really a gospel conversation with them. And I think one of the main reasons is because we haven't secured a time. 
So just think about that one. The last S is start. Start. Witnessing is just like hairdressing. Some of you know I'm a hairdresser by profession. And, you know, when I was training in the UK, I was taught by the Italian barbers. And they would call me Luigi. Luigi. (laughs) And I used to watch them. I used to study them. They're amazing barbers. And I used to watch them cut hair. But you know what? They didn't let me watch for long. They said, okay, Luigi, your scissors, your comb, find a winning victim and cut their hair. And I had to do it. And I made mistakes. I remember the first haircut I did, I took about three hours. Like, seriously, it was just so pedantic. And one guy, I cut his ear. You know, he lived. He lived. It's the same with witnessing. You can read about it. I think maybe you're finding the sermon helpful. You can listen to messages. You can watch others do it. But you've got to pick up your scissors, man. You've got to pick up your comb. You've just got to start it. And for some of you, starting it is securing a time. Or others, because maybe, let's just be really honest, you've just been really indifferent about this whole thing. Maybe your starting place is, Lord, I've been slack here. And I repent. Because you call me a witness and I ought to be doing this thing. And so, Lord, would you give me a heart for this? Good place to start prayer. And then, Lord, would you just put one person on my heart to intentionally reach out to? Yeah? So that could be your starting point. So those four S's. Now, before we come to the Q, the quality. So we looked at identity, activity. Trust that was helpful. We're going to explore the second set of questions here. So you can reach for your phones again. How are we doing? Ah. Let's do this quick. Here it is on the website. You've got to enter another code. Sorry. They would only allow us two questions for free each time, so. <laughs> We're being really stingy. All the money's going to the building fund, all right? We can't spend any money on anything else. So here's the question if you've. Here's the question. I pray specifically for my friends, neighbors, co workers, and all family who don't know Christ. I pray for them. Pray for them occasionally. Not sure is a weird option, isn't it? <laughs> Glad no one has put not sure. Okay, good. Are you ready, ready to go on to the last question? All right, here's the, here's the last question. I look for ways to build relationships with people who don't know Christ. I look for ways. I'm intentional and deliberate. It's interesting. Occasionally. Thanks for your honesty. Occasionally. That's good. Right, let's come to the last point. It's very, very brief. Quality. At the end of the day, here's the question. What is it really that will enhance our difference in terms of personal witness? What is it really? Yeah, these practical tips, we need to employ those. We need to go through those, work those things out in our own lives, conversations. Yes, 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 yes. But what is it really that will enhance uh, this difference? What will make us more different? Well, two things here. First, dependence. Dependence. What I mean here is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that before Jesus here tells us to do something for him, like go and witness, he says, you've got to wait on me. Before you witness for me, you've got to wait on me. Verses 48, 49, he says, you are my witnesses of these things. 
I'm going to send you. Notice the Trinitarian emphasis here, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit involved in evangelism, worldwide mission here. He says, I am going to send you. I, the Son, will send you what my Father has promised, namely the Spirit, of course. But, but, before you go and tell, do something. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is really, really critical here. Before Jesus says, go and tell, he says, go and wait. And he's highlighting here the indispensable role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism and in witness. Because at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the capital W witness. He's the capital E evangelist, the capital M missionary. It is his role ultimately to make Christ look glorious in the eyes of unbelievers. It's his role. He eternally will for all eternity be about this work of making Christ look glorious. That's what he treasures. He treasures the Son of God. And so we need to depend on him so that we can be clothed with power from on high. Yes, this will make all the difference as we depend, depend, depend on the Holy Spirit, the ultimate witness. Secondly, devotion, devotion. This is, this is so heartwarming. Isn't it wonderful that Luke records for us here Jesus' ascension? And really what happens, what takes place at Jesus' ascension? He gives us, these disciples by way of extension, all of us, an identity. He does. You are witnesses. He gives us an activity. You're witness to these things. You've got to preach. But he doesn't leave on that note. He doesn't leave. What does he leave on the note? He, he leaves by blessing his people. By blessing, listen to what we read here, verses 50, 51. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. Now, you've got to use your imagination here. He lifted up his hands. Lifted up his hands. Now, what did they see when they saw him lift up his hands? What did they see? Well, they saw nail-pierced hands. That's what they saw. These grace-scarred hands. These marks of mercy in his hands. He lifted up his hands, and then he what? He blesses them. Verse 51, while he was blessing them in the continual tense, he's ascended. And so as he's ascending, he's blessing. He's blessing. You see, this is what ultimately will make us more effective witnesses as we spend time in the presence of Jesus, reflecting on his grace guard hands, what that means. You know, he was cursed so that he can bless he was pierced for our transgression, your transgression, so that we could be blessed. And this is his desire, to bless us, to strengthen us, so that our hearts are strangely warmed again and again and again as we devote our hearts to him, as we linger long in his presence, because this will positively influence and affect our witness. I love what Jerry Bridges said. Years ago in one of his devotionals, Jerry Bridges, he says this, the person who spends time with God lingers long in the presence of God the Savior in Christ's presence, is always warm and inviting, never cold and forbidding. This will really enhance our witnessing. We just linger in the presence of Christ. Amen. So let's depend, clothe, power, run high in the Spirit, dwell long in the presence of God because his heart is to bless, 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 bless as we live out our identity as his witnesses. You know, let me cl close with this illustration. As you know, I went to the Gold Coast, and uh, when I came back and I walked into my office, this is what I noticed. There's a picture here, right? That's my pot plant. 
That's why I noticed. And you know what I thought? I thought, hey, thanks, team. Seriously. <laughs> thanks, team. For opening my blinds so the thing could get sunlight. Hey, look at it. Just wilted, droopy. For watering it. That's the first thing I said to Sarah when she came. She said, how was your trip? I said, hey, by the way, thanks for watering my plant. plant. Look at it. I, I struggle to keep plants alive. Okay, if you ever want to give me a gift, don't buy me a plant. I'll kill it. Well, look, I opened the blinds, gave it some sunlight, and then I watered it two days after that. Look at it now. Look at it. Miraculous. Yes. You know what? <laughs> it's the same for our Christian lives, and we're thinking about witnessing here. When we position ourselves as Christians in the sunlight of Christ's presence, and as we give ourselves, I guess, the water of the Spirit as we depend on Him, guess what? Our witness will flourish. It will not wilt. And I want us to look like that as Christians generally, but in our witness like that, we're flourishing. We're doing good. We're witnessing for the King. I've gone over time. How about I pray? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for being the ultimate witness. Lord, we wouldn't be here if you weren't. Lord, you reached into our lives. We were dead. We were drowning beneath the oceans of sin and idolatry, and you poured us out, Lord. And now we're seated with you, with Christ in heavenly places. What a marvel. What a marvel. And I pray, Lord God, you'd so stir us, Lord God, wherever we're at in terms of verbally witnessing to others. Lord, would you encourage each of us, Lord, that we may be more confident, may be more intentional. Lord, I pray. And I ask, Lord, grant us much fruit as we labor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.